0: And there was one as well after that. We tried a 1-2 with Douglas Louise. That was never on.
1: Never on. That was it, like, that was punishment for Douglas Louise trying it with Ashley Young last week. <laughs> it was a fucking Jeff Henrik pass. And this is a Jeff Henrik pass
0: from a lad who cost 140 million euro five years ago. And he's only 30 as well. I wouldn't pay 140 quid for Jeff Hendrick. And Philip Coutinho is trying the same fucking types of passes. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took.
1: In the cold south coast air, there was Emmy Martinez, a long way from Qatar, a longer way from the piss-ups in Argentina. Both arms in the air, and the armband around one of them. Fist clenched, screaming, it almost looked like there were tears in his eyes, and I'd well <laughs> believe it, for a win at Southampton. In that cold air, Alex Moreno stood behind him, slightly shyer, bit of a shout into the away fans as his teammates at either side, were embracing each other, and he was probably thinking, you know what? This ain't so bad. (laughs) In the cold air, Tyrone Mings walked around topless, (laughs) doing his beast mode celebration, you know the one. And all the while, I Emery was long gone, preparing, preparing for the next move, having masterminded five wins from seven. I mean, 16 points out of 21. I haven't seen the like of this. And you know, Do you know what the only bad thing is, Liam? The performances. (laughs) Let me finish. We are right in the mix right now. (laughs) We are in the mix. We are one point off Chelsea, one point off Brentford, one point off Liverpool. We're three points. Three points off Brighton and Fulham in sixth and seventh. Suddenly, it is all to play for for Aston Villa this season. God fucking help the two of us. (laughs)
0: yeah and when was the last time Aston Villa played badly and won and we've done it twice in a row now I I was just going to say the last time (laughs) yeah it's it's a great trade to have it's an incredible run of form collection of points I mean you would be concerned about the passivity and the urgency, but my God, what a time to be alive. I'm starting to believe my God might actually be, you know, Emery. Five <laughs> wins in seven games? The only five points dropped? I mean, talk about Cam in the storm. He's, he's, he's cured Leon Bailey's blindness. He's brought John McGinn back from the dead, and he's yeah. even turning soft, watery performances like that into wine. It was, it's incredible.
1: It really is like, and this is the thing. Like, yeah, the performances haven't been great. I think what is late in the performances, and albeit maybe you do look at it more kindly when you win, but of course you do. Like, that's the point. And I think lining through every one of these performances, I'm seeing logic. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing a bit of sense. I'm I'm feeling control. I'm feeling not as worried or not as oh, like just what is the point? <laughs> you know? I'm not feeling any of that anymore. I'm 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 here. Seeing a team that is being well-coached and they're winning games, like you just said, they're five from seven. It's actually incredible stuff. Beating good teams along the way as well. Winning three games away from home. It's all go. And now, I'm not joking, we're in the mix. Villa are suddenly going for a European place. (laughs) It would would be crushing now for us to get our hopes so high to just have them shattered all over the place again. But my God, from a season where Leon Bailey was blind, John McGinn was dead, and Unai Emery's turning all this around. Like, Aston Villa's season was gone, and he's found it again, and he's brought us all back onto your feet. Yeah, you, you said a couple of weeks ago there that
0: you, you can't enjoy Aston Villa's wins because fucking Brentford and Fulham and Brighton are keep winning and are ahead of us. And what did I say? This is a reason to be fucking excited, because that's three teams that we will catch up with That three teams at Aston Villa will finish ahead of especially if they can keep anything resembling this run of form going I mean it's absolutely amazing to look above you and see three teams that Aston Villa are better than and are now only two points behind as well
1: yeah like Chelsea Liverpool Brighton <laughs> 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 alright let's get into some of the talk here 1-0 away from home to Southampton two penalty shots for our boy Jacob Ramsey I mean the the first one is a is a race with Gavin Bazuni. And isn't it funny now? Like how quickly like, I I'm really starting to hate these words, check, complete. Because like, it's mad that they're more concerned with trying to get this done in time, trying to get the decision done as quickly as possible, rather than trying to get the decision right. I feel like they're they're on the clock. They're worried about taking too long. The the thing you should be most concerned about was is this right or not? I'm not saying that this was a Clear penalty or not, but we didn't get to see enough replays. We saw three, four tops replays at basically the same speed, and I'm none the wiser whether or not Bazunu caught Ramsey.
0: Yeah, we'll come back later on to whether or not they're actually all that concerned with getting decisions right. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the check the check has been complete. But show us the angle that was used to make that decision. Like you're talking about seeing it at the same speed. You only showed us one angle. And it's from behind Jacob Ramsey. I can't tell anything from that. And Jacob Ramsey is so adamant as well that it, it's it because he, he you can see that he's running towards the ball, thinking oh. Big Gav's coming out here. All I have to do is get, get here you. first. <laughs> and, and he's just trying to knock it away so that Gavin Bizzou can't get it. That's exactly what you would expect him to do. And it's exactly where you'd expect the ball to go for someone who's trying to get Gavin Bizzou to clatter into him like a moron. Show me the angle that the VAR used to say that wasn't a penalty. And i will accept it.
1: <laughs> he, he did he did look excited when you could see him face on coming towards the, coming towards the keeper. It was like, oh, happy days. He's he's made my decision for me. All I have to do is get to the ball before him and he's either going to find me, or he will find me if I get to him before him. Um, the second Jacob Ramsey showed for a penalty, it was uh, Salisu. I mean, Salisu's pointing. Salisu's pointing at the ball here as if... <laughs> as if he got it he's, he's pointing to where the ball is like the ball is there because Ramsey has let it go there and he's rolled you you were going in the opposite direction and all you've done is taken Ramsey again I don't know exactly if he took him or not but that annoyed me that he was pointing at the ball well it were clearly he was going in a different direction mm.
0: It, it's soft, though, isn't it? Like it? It's probably no softer than the on Ramsey in his own box, though. So, I mean, I think if you're if you're spinning like that, it's really easy to be to be knocked over, and you'd want to have Elianusi's luck to be conceding a penalty for essentially getting touched tight to Ramsey there. I mean, it's not brilliant defending, and he does get done, but I don't think he goes in hard enough to actually have foiled him.
1: Yeah, well, you have mentioned the the Southampton disallowed goal. We can go to that. There was a, an offside goal that we'll come back to, but yeah, I mean, this goal was frustrating, I think, all over the shop from a Villa point of view because just seconds earlier, seconds earlier, Buendia plants himself and Moreno plants himself and Southampton just waddle around them. <laughs> and that, that's the one that leads to the amazing Martinez save and then coming back down the right-hand side, back at Emmy Buendia. This time, instead of planting himself, he thinks a challenge is now putting his hands into the air and brushing his obliques. Off the runner as the runner goes by him, and to make it worse, he just stands there. He stands this move takes ages to come together. And Buendia is spending the next four seconds carrying on. Like I've got my two hands in there right now. This is how like <laughs> I'm imagining Then Bundia. He's he spends the next four seconds of his two hands in there walking further and further, closer and closer to the sideline. And and, and and he stops. He stops there and watches Moreno with two players. And then he, he realizes Shit, maybe I could have gotten back there. By the time he even half-heartedly tries to get back there, the ball swung in, and it's just it's it's a mess in the middle of the box, isn't it? It's and then and then to make it to make it worse, it breaks down. The shot goes through Kamara, goes underneath Kanza, but hits his shins on the way <laughs> underneath him, and it goes up above Emmy Martinez, who almost gets it, and it uh, goes into the net.
0: Well, all the talk before hand was about about emory telling bundy that he, he needs to control his emotion he needs to talk to him about controlling his fucking body and <laughs> s- and start moving it out of possession i mean Bundia must be aiming for early retirement the amount of times he fucking sells himself in a match trying to get a bit of extra cash and uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you something Emery is exactly the person Bundia needs to be talking about controlling his emotions because i don't know how Emery is able to remain calm, watching Buendia's weekly performances a fucking Swan Lake, like spinning, spinning out of tackles and pirouetting on a fucking football pitch. I mean, twice, twice he watched Southampton cross the ball. Twice yeah. he was assisting the assistant ref, checking for offside. <laughs> Involve <laughs> yourself in the fucking game, mate. I mean, but can you can you imagine if this was given against us? I mean, we'd, yeah. we'd probably be cursing and calling the ref a cunt and stuff, and we would have really brought down the tone of the podcast. No one, <laughs> you know, that fucking Edoze cunt sleeping in the middle of his own box and throwing himself to the ground. Philip Coutinho weighs about three stone. I didn't even know he was stepping on him. Anyway, look, the important thing is that Jacob Ramsey has probably nearly been killed by I mean, who was lucky to... He was lucky to still be on the pitch after attacking JJ like that. I mean, there's there's a serious question, that, and it's like I, I'm not I'm not a lawyer, but there is a serious question about what is the line for the police to get involved in sport. I mean, obviously, obviously JJ has accepted the risk of injury by stepping onto the pitch, but what El has, has done there is fucking criminal.
1: <laughs> I I will say that. Look, let's let's clarify. I've just described the goal there, and I haven't even talked about that since first because I'm so frustrated from a Villa point of view. Even though the goal wasn't even given, I am pissed off at the events that led to the two chances leading up to that goal. But the Ramsey thing, I think when the ref was told to go have a look at it, then his hands were tied, and that is stood on. He stood on and pushed away. I think I don't think the commentators noticed that they were talking about a nudge, and, and these nudges always happen. I don't think that's what the ref was told to look at he was told to look down at the feet where yeah and just he steps across it is soft we would definitely be pissed off at it but he steps on him and, and pushes him away and as he steps on him Ramsey immediately falls to the ground like you know holding his leg like what the fuck was that I'm sure it was sore but yeah sure there, like, there's a lot of contact like that in the box all the time
0: yeah I mean there's the, a the box is tiny <laughs> There's about 15 people in it. The people are going to get stepped on and trodden on. It's, it's, fuck it, it's unbelievably soft, and we're unbelievably lucky to have gotten away with it because we were really fucking asking for that goal as well. I mean, we were not playing well at that stage, and you've described the fucking shit show that led to it as well.
1: Yeah, like that was the that was definitely the worst period of the game. It was a 10, maybe 15-minute period where Southampton got on top. After a good start to the second half from Villa, but... So if Hatton also got an offside goal in the first half, what did Walker-Peters think would happen here? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Like, they're both offside to start with as it's, as it's played in. Um, and then Shea Adams, I don't know what he's done. He's made a mess of it. But Walker-Peters is not only offside in the first instance, he's now ahead of Shea Adams as Shea Adams is shooting. And he knows it. And he does a nanny on Ronaldo. And <laughs> <laughs> no matter how bad the Shea Adams shot is, it's going in. And Walker Peters hits it in, and then looks confused. Like of all the confusion, that like the confusion would have been earlier to find out whether or not. You were offside. You know, like you were ahead of him. There's nobody else there. You you, could, you were looking back at him, and he stole his goal, and it was offside. He's lucky that they were both offside to start with. And, I mean, again, from a Villa point of view, it's not great, is it? <laughs> it starts. This started with Kamara. He he didn't give it. It's not Kamara's fault, obviously. It's not Kamara's fault. He didn't give it to Moreno, but Moreno kept pushing up down the left, and he gave it to Dougie instead. And then Tyrone Mings goes on the overlap. Tyrone, like because because Moreno's way up the pitch. Tyrone Mings decides I have to play left back, and he goes on the overlap. And Dougie ignores that and tries a little up and down to Watkins. Watkins was getting some terrible balls in that first half and uh, Dougie's ball was never on and then suddenly, it's a break <laughs> it's a break away, everybody's <laughs> open, like, so Southampton comes streaming down the pitch we get back, set up again and then, I don't know Like, do, do we give Mings and Khanza a bye ball because the players were offside, but they seem to lose them, they lost them in that triangle that Bermuda triangle again, in between the two of them
0: <laughs> uh, you, you see, this is the thing that we talked about as soon as Emery took over, you- Mings and Kanza should be well able for the system. They're they, they should be perfect for it because they're they're so quick. It's just they don't seem to be able to turn around quickly enough. And it's not physically that they're not able to do that. I just don't know if they if they know what's going on, if they knew where Che Adams was, or Kyle Walker Peters, <laughs> as it turns out. And like you I mean you said He said he he does a nanny on Ronaldo. Adams hasn't exactly done a fucking Ronaldo himself though there, has he? I mean, he's been watching far too much John McGinn and makes the decision to go for that with his head initially. He's obviously learned from John McGinn as well though because he then decides against it. But he's not the best student in the world and he decides to try to volley it with the entire upper half of his body parallel to the ground. Obviously misunderstanding all those shouts from his... Formative years of keep your head down and get over the ball. I mean, that was fucking absolutely ludicrous. And it was only because it was so ludicrous that he was able to get a goal from it. Yeah. It was absolutely crazy.
1: Then we finally, finally got to half time. Only just because the game got stopped because there was a drone in the vicinity of Southampton City. And I, I mean, just find a stream. Like, if you can buy a drone. And you're bothered to fly it over to see what's <laughs> happening at the pitch? Just find a stream. It would be way handier for everybody.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think what the case is here is obviously it's just some bored twat who of the game was stopped last time, and then he decided he would do that himself as well. I mean, the, and the, the weird thing was, if if it was someone trying to trying to watch this, I mean, the game was such an non event up until that point. <laughs> it was such an on event up until that point that the fucking the commentators gave up on trying to talk about it after about three minutes of the stoppage.
1: I mean, that was they, unbelievable.
0: They just decided that showing live footage of the tunnel and the surrounding empty stand was better entertainment than pretending anything entertaining had (laughs) happened in the previous 42 minutes. And I actually think in the three minutes where they pretended they could do this, where they could get through this little interlude, in that three-minute interlude, he mentioned that the game had been stopped in strange circumstances three times. (laughs) He talked about the reason the game had been stopped three
1: times because nothing else had fucking happened. (laughs) But then something did happen in the second half. And there was <laughs> finally a goal after a check, And it was given. And it was the winning of the game. And it was from the striker. The striker that Unai Emery has gone all in on. The striker who has been much maligned, you would have to say, over the last year and a half, maybe. And, I mean, it's a good header. Kamara won the free kick. So if tackles were... Like, I know they were feeling a bit hard done by, considering their... Uh, yeah, their goal was disallowed, uh, and the ref was given plenty of freeze against them, but Jesus, they were asking for them. They were stupid tackles. They were lazy tackles. Most of the time, it seemed like they were trying to foul him, and it didn't matter where on the pitch it was, and Kamara gets in and wins the ball. He's under a bit of pressure, and they just push him over, and then Douglas Ruiz steps up, and he, he whips a lovely ball in, and it's it's a great header from Watkins. He flicks it off the, off the corner of his head of his, if his head was square. Like he hit it off the corner perfectly, gets it low, and uh yeah, that was the winning of the game. It's a it's a brilliant
0: free kick from Douglas Louise and just before that as well, the running on the spot, the knee rises from from Leon Bailey. And you, you can see you can see Austin you can see Austin McPhee hunched over, staring to make sure this is all being perfectly executed. And it is. I mean he like he needn't have worried the The Prisciatka is a lot more popular on the streets of Kingston than I ever realized it was anyway, the way Leon Bailey was able to pull that off. And the ball then is still... And Douglas Louise obviously steps up to the mark as well, like following in Leon Bailey's brilliant footsteps. And the ball's delicious. And the finish is so simple and made possible by Big Lianco pointing and telling Ollie Watkins where to put it and doing so, making sure he's played him onside like a fucking Muppet.
1: (laughs) Uh, brilliant stuff, brilliant win, and we will see at WhatsApp Winches. I'm only giving out one fine this week, and I mean, it's a new one, and you really have to admire Douglas Louise for continuously innovating, finding new ways to not get paid. <laughs> yeah. And it was so, so hopeful. The chip over... The head at the edge of the box, followed by an air shot with his left foot. We can't be having air shots at this level. I don't care how good the chip over the head was. I don't care how audacious the attempt was and how imaginative it all was. And I know, I know it's Buendia's fault for just, why does Buendia do this sometimes? He just pokes the ball at people and it's bouncing up to them when it doesn't have to be. No appreciation on the pass. And uh, Louise improvises, does brilliantly, and then he misses the ball. Has Has to be fine for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the flick over the head is so delicious and so perfect that you'd have to think that the air shot then was also intentional. Maybe it was dominate to let it drop for Bundia to get on to the end of it. And I'm more than willing to believe, given his performance, that it was Henry Bundia's fault.
1: <laughs> there were two other um, in contention. Ashley Young had a cross that went out of play, but it was an in-swinging cross. It was with his left foot, with his weaker <laughs> left foot as well. Um, so we know the in-swinging crosses are allowed unfortunately, if they go out of play for a throw-in. And then Matt Cash comes on. I mean, Jesus, Matt Cash gave us some vintage Matt Cash with a a cross that he tried to... He went right towards the byline and I thought, oh, here we go, this is going out of play. (laughs) And he fucking drilled it as hard as he could and it went right across to the far sideline where a Southampton player picked it up.
0: I think he actually just ran straight out of play as well once straight over the byline himself you know took the <laughs> ball with him of course because that's what his favourite thing is is to take the ball out of play
1: yeah but I think they get away with it this week the first WhatsApp win do you know those tight passages of play you know where Martinez plays it out to Mings Mings gives it to Moreno and now we're being closed in and give it to Dougie who's come deeper and, and then Dougie tries to bring somebody else in have we ever come out with the ball when that's somebody else is Emmy Buendia? Hmm.
0: <laughs> so I, forms after typing that one, I'd say.
1: <laughs> but I'm not saying Emi Buendia is incapable of receiving a ball, and I think Emi Buendia can do some nice stuff further up the pitch. But these moves are annoying enough, they're perilous enough, and they're tight enough. The other team have their tails up; they're pushing forward, and for some reason. Douglas Louise or anybody else really think it's a good idea to give it to or you know, who just gets pushed off the ball as a fullback generally is just like he's got all the momentum. He's facing forward and we lose the position. Like he's not strong enough to take it in those areas.
0: Yeah, he's not. But the, the, I think the bigger problem is that we're not clever enough yet or aware of where we should be on the pitch our movement isn't good enough to take the ball in positions where you don't have someone up your arse. I mean, there's so many times when you see a Villa player in trouble and you just also see other players seeing that and doing nothing about it. So the one thing you'll say about Emi Buendia, as soft as he is, at least he runs in to take the ball sometimes.
1: (laughs) Well, that is one thing about Emi Buendia. He doesn't shy away. He does look for the ball. I would be... Maybe this is why I didn't make it as far as Emi Buendia, but I would be smarter about where I'm looking for the ball if I had his tools at my disposal. <laughs> <laughs> the second WhatsApp one. How can you get a yellow card for complaining about a goal that the ref now agrees with you about?
0: Well, I'd say you're not allowed to call the ref a cunt is probably where, <laughs> where it ends.
1: There. Yeah, but, but, but he, he has been a cunt. He's proven to be a cunt. He, he, he admitted himself that I was a cunt. Like, yeah, I agree. That shouldn't have been a goal
0: but he wasn't a cunt he just got it wrong and Douglas Louise must know that if there was a foul there it'll be checked he can say that to the referee without screaming in his face and running up and grabbing him by the arms don't get me wrong I've done a hell of a lot worse on a football pitch but you know I was being a cunt when that happened and should have been booked and have been sent off for saying things to the referee
1: which we don't need to go into right now no we don't need to go into I can think of a couple off the top of my head <laughs> i'm trying to forget right now um so i can carry on with the podcast but now i cannot get it out right of my head but um yeah douglas louise yeah that, that's what it was douglas louise was actually in danger of, i thought of being sent off in that situation in fairness to what you're saying um he did shout show the referee but not only that then just after he was given a yellow card i, I thought my oh god if these southampton players were smarter they would do what we were saying everybody should do on Granit Jacket, like get in his face. <laughs> and somebody did put a hand on him and we sort of battered away a bit too aggressively, just for somebody who's already pissed off the referee in that moment. Um, I was a little bit worried for a second there. But it is strange that, yeah, like you've only you've only reacted that way because of something that now the officialdom of this game agree with you on. Yeah,
0: like he he was he was unlucky that the goal was actually rolled out and he was proved right. But you're, it's it's not right to be calling the ref a con as you well know, as <laughs> I well
1: know. <laughs> the last WhatsApp one, this one's a shorter one, you'll be happy to know. <laughs> Five words. That bench is a disgrace. <laughs> I mean, like we, we have defended Aston Villa, you know, for... <laughs> often it gets thrown at them how much money that they spent and we know the special circumstances it all starts with not really having a team or a squad when we got promoted from the championship having so many lone players having a lot of bad recruitment changing sporting director but I think this bench this week really does hammer home that bad recruitment point and it is a disgrace (laughs) and it is something that Johan Lang should be made to look at now in this break this two week break between games just 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 show him just show him this bench show him what we're looking at here, we're going away to Southampton. Matt Cash, Morgan Sanson, Callum Chambers, Philip Coutinho, Robin Olsen, Leander Dendonker, <laughs> Sinisalu, and all our goalkeeper Caden Young just signed a contract with the club. Like this is, this is where we're at. Like that. Like how, how have we gotten to this position? Like no matter what's happened, forget about context, forget about injuries, whatever else you want to say, forget about what's going to happen in the next few weeks. What do you think of this, Johan?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you've overstated the fact that we're going away to Southampton there a little bit, but I, <laughs> I, take, the, I take the broader No,
1: point. I think actually, yeah. No, you're right to pull me up on that because I think what I was feeling when I said that was, imagine, imagine we were still drawn coming down the streets in that game. Imagine yeah. we were losing. Like, this is a game we have to be winning and we like, if it doesn't work with this team, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's that's it. Before the game, I looked at it and thought, Jesus, we wouldn't want to be chasing this in the last half an hour. Yeah. Like, there, there, there was nobody on that bench where you're looking and thinking, that's an improvement. If we bring them on, that'll that'll improve either the, the personnel on the pitch. And like, okay, your bench isn't always going to have somebody on the pitch who will, who will be a better replacement for the guy on it. That's probably a little bit unrealistic. But you would at least want somebody you think, well, if it's not working out for him, he can come on and do something else, do something different. We didn't even have any options to change the system. That's that's how bad it was. Yeah. I mean, what were we doing? Like, if Ramsey, like, our attacking options were Watkins, Bailey, Ramsey, and Buendia. If Ramsey wasn't playing well, it was fucking Morgan Sanson we were bringing on. <laughs> if Buendilla wasn't playing well, it was
1: Felipe Coutinho that was coming on. Yeah. Well, in fairness to you, you would give people an insight into real life WhatsApp whinges? I did text you during the game, I did WhatsApp whinges, and I said, Take Windy off not after a couple. I think it's just before, in fairness to me, just before the Southampton goal. um, And you did right back for who? (laughs) (laughs) And then continue came on, and I immediately thought, ah, bring Windy back on. And
0: then, and then the other side of that, if Watkins is playing badly, Watkins is staying on. And if Leon Bailey is playing badly, Leon Bailey is staying on. I mean, how can you find yourself in a situation where if Leon Bailey is playing badly, he has to stay on the pitch? Because that is so fucking likely.
1: <laughs> yeah, as it turned out, Matt Cash was the Leon Bailey replacement. And, uh, that wouldn't have been good if we were, weren't ahead in that game. Look, we'll leave WhatsApp ones there. We've got plenty more to talk about. And obviously, we're going to talk about Danny Ings um, because that's part of the reason why that bench looked even lighter than what it usually is. So uh, we'll see in the award categories after this.
0: It's really not that difficult to see how Hassan loses 9-0 once a season. He didn't do anything in the whole game, he just said, Here's what I've been doing for the last three and a half years with my limited players. What have you got? <laughs> well, better players. Is
1: this
0: a fucking trick question?
1: My heart wants to sing every song
0: And this man is called the Alpine Clock whenever he was joining Southampton. I mean, he's as far away from Jurgen Klopp as the sound of music is from heavy metal. The hills are alive with the sound of people talking absolute shit.
1: I'm going to start with the Tim Sherwood We Played Two Number Tens and Bamboozled Them Award. Let's mix this bad boy up because there there is a bit of coaching going on here, I have to report we have to start with emmy martinez's new position (laughs) the sweeper keeper i mean we doubted whether or not he could do it with his feet no i'm not saying that he did it with his feet but he got (laughs) he got the positioning spot on i thought i thought he was brilliant he rushed out that, that one early on to stop adam armstrong going down the left for southampton he was just off his line and not in a Reina off his line type of way, like an effective way he was off he was far off his line, but he was reading the play well he wasn't taking himself out. he did an actually young at one stage you know that one when he chipped the ball over a tackle and just so cool in possession maybe maybe you don't want them being so cool sometimes, but I thought he was really good in that position, reading the game really well and just just put out a lot of fires that didn't need to spread
0: yeah it was it was really good, and it was obviously based on the understanding that we were going to have a lot of the ball and we were going to have it fairly high up the pitch as well. And that was going to leave space in behind. I'd say this might even have just been game dependent, the decision to tell him to be on alert and be ready to come off his line. Because what else was Southampton i them really going to do when they had yeah. Jay Adams up front, it was going to be balls over the pop.
1: Yeah. The only other nomination I have for the Tim Sherwood award. And it's definitely the winner. Because, like I say, there's been coaching, there's been talks. You know, Emery, the players are all talking about the process and what's going on. Tyro Mings actually had a good line saying he's been exposed to a level of coaching that he hasn't been used to at the minute. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant, it's brilliant stuff. I'll come back to that, that interview by Tyro Mings. But the nomination is Leon Bailey receiving the ball on the right wing under pressure. Now. I think the big criticism we had of Leon Bailey was that Villa were finding him. Do you, you, you know what I mean? I'm not a about every ball he gets. I mean the one where Villa are tight and they're trying to keep hold of the ball and he gets pushed down the line. Bailey's got his back to play and he's got a player up his arse. The question is, did Leon Bailey play the simple pass? <laughs> or did Leon Bailey over elaborate like he can? And I am very, 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 very happy to report that six times out of eight, Leon Bailey. <laughs> Leon Bailey did the, the simple thing in that situation. The first one gets the ball, takes a touch, gets it back to Ashley Young. Second one gets the ball, takes a touch, gets it back to Emmy Martinez. Okay, he was aiming for Kanza. <laughs> <laughs> Third time gets the ball. First time into Ramsey, the midfielder, like we were saying about these boys coming running off. First time to Ramsey. Fourth time, first time to Ramsey. Ramsey's away every time. Like the. Fifth time, takes a touch, gets it back to Kamara. The sixth time, though no, he was starting to get a bit like six times in a row we did it right, but I think the sixth one was our warning shot. Eventually he gets it back to Ashley Young. <laughs> Take taking, taking a little bit too much out of it. Like it is going to creep back in. I mean, you can't you can't forget a habit forever, but you can replace it. And I think you know, Emery's trying to trying to replace it. But the final two times and look, maybe we don't want to take this out of his games. But I don't want Leon Bailey doing a simple thing all the time. I just want him doing a simple thing when we're under a lot of pressure, and the simple thing is the right thing to do. The seventh time he comes inside, he's done well. This is this is exactly what we're talking about last <laughs> week. And now all he has to do is you know release somebody. But he tried that big pass to Moreno. Maybe maybe it was the right thing to do, but he didn't have to pass it the way he did, when it went out of play for a goal kick. Actually, so not the right thing to do the way he kicked it. And then the, the last time I thought. He, like in fairness, he kept he kept possession, but he was very lucky to win a free kick at that stage. He, uh he went through very easily, and we were we were wide open the way he lost the ball. He came inside again and and fell over, and Southampton had the ball. But uh, he got the free anyway. But seventy five percent of the time that he got the ball in that position, he did it simple, and he kept hold of it.
0: Yeah, and now the only question, really, because you were watching it so intensely, was was it always the right decision to keep it simple and to play it back? Yeah, because that's where that's where you'll find the best players really come to the fore. Is like, yeah, do the simple thing when the simple thing is the best thing to do is what you really want. You don't want just people doing the simple thing. You don't want them turning into Man City's Jack Grealish. I mean, that would be the worst possible thing that could happen to Leon Bailey. And Christ Almighty, did I never think I would be saying that? That I don't want Leon Bailey to be turning into Jack Grealish. Do you know Jack yeah. Grealish? Now he gets the ball, he's looking for the fullback as his first instinct. I don't want Leon Bailey to be doing that. Yeah. I want Leon Bailey to check if the cut inside is on. I want them to check if the pass to Alex Moreno is on, and it was on, and he didn't have to fucking absolutely hammer it as hard <laughs> as he could.
1: You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right to flag that. But it's uh, it's good to see from one game to the next. We are addressing big problems, and maybe we'll start to see, uh, see an evolution of it. What he wants to do is get to the, the Ashley Young level, you know, where he's just, he's just playing the game in real time, like he's seeing, he's seeing what's happening. How many times is Ashley Young? It looks like he's about to come inside. Looks like he's going to play a simple pass, and he realizes, oh, there's another fifteen yards here. I'm just going to drop the shoulder and go forward again. And it's just like that. That's where Leon Bailey needs to get to.
0: Yeah, I mean, if anybody, if everybody could get to the same level of intelligence that Ashley Young has, Aston Villa wouldn't be trying to
1: catch Brentford. They'd be a lot higher off the table. <laughs> Alright, the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. Leon Bailey! <laughs> um, no, well, this actually this was a big chance. There was a first chance initially for um, I remember Moreno, who's not a Rossenthal Award, but his right foot is shot at the edge of the box. It almost went out for a for a throw-in. That started with the Bailey cross into Buendia. I mean, that's that should be bread and butter stuff for Emmy Buendia, getting up for a header like that but uh, Baz- <laughs> Baz- Bazuni beat him in the air. There was nice, nice play in the build-up to that from Bailey, Dougie and Ramsey and he came back out to Bailey. Good ball in from him but then Bailey had the big chance then just after that. I mean, Watkins holding it up like he was doing all afternoon. Buendia's touch is actually brilliant coming off Watkins. And then he's a nice second touch and a lovely little slide through for for Bailey, who gets it to Ramsey. He gets the first time to Ramsey on his right foot. Ramsey isn't set, doesn't set himself. He's a bit more time. I think he should he should set himself more and just whip his foot around that a bit more. He hit it straight up to Zunu, who parried it out, but it comes back out to Bailey. It's bouncing up, He's seven yards out, and he slices that bad boy high and over.
0: Yeah, the both chances you just mentioned there are were. Probably the only two bits of good play from Aston Villa in the first half, and they're both lovely pieces of play. The Moreno one was a lovely bit of interplay and one touch football. First time we tried it in the fucking game, and when the play has become as hectic as things have become after Bailey's cross, that is exactly the moment to breathe. When players are running around and they're all over the place, that is exactly the moment to breathe. And I would suggest that the ball being on Moreno's right foot at the age of the box and him deciding I'm going to fucking welly this <laughs> is an indication that he did not, in fact, take a breath and decide what was the best thing to do in the situation. And the next one, it's it's lovely from Watkins. Bundia does brilliantly to knock it out of his feet and into the space. Plays the right pass to put Bailey away. And speaking about the right pass, and from the most unlikely of sources, <laughs> the pullback from Leon Bailey is absolutely brilliant. And you're right. Ramsey knows better than that. Backtracking and trying to get power and direction on a shot. I mean, he definitely has time to take a quick touch and set himself. Particularly because it's Jacob Ramsey and he's so fast. And then Leon Bailey, what have you done here, son? I mean, this is (laughs) this is absolutely pathetic. I mean, this is like if if your child did that, you wouldn't even give out to them. Like you, you would just turn away turn away in disgust and <laughs> disappointment. That's that's how you teach him the lesson there. It's let him know you're disappointed in him.
1: <laughs> well, if a legend of the Rossenthal Award has retired, uh, Danny Ings, we will have to maybe think about giving him a Lifetime Achievement Award at the end of the season. But <laughs> Leon Bailey is trying to fill that space. And uh, it was Leon Bailey again who had maybe even a bigger chance. I don't think it was bigger than that one, but it was close to it. Moreno, the best thing he's done for the club now since it's come. like Lovely bit of trickle- trickery down the left-hand side. Lovely ball. Sat perfectly up for, I would say it sat up for Jacob Ramsey's run. <laughs> <laughs> Leon Bailey wants so much to get there first. So much that he just slides in to get to the ball ahead of Ramsey. Just whatever which way. And obviously he just hits it. I don't know where he hits it. He hits it in the direction he's running, not towards the goals anyway. Uh, I mean this is
0: four times in four games that he's missed the ball and he's standing eight yards out in between the posts as well you know what You know what really tells you how bad this was from Leon Bailey they didn't even show a replay of it that's, that's how bad a chance he made it seem I mean he's eight yards out in the middle of the fucking box and they didn't show a replay of the chance that it was because he slipped on his fucking arse again <laughs>
1: Yeah, and like this was a real double whammy for me because as you well know, I have Moreno and Bailey in my fantasy football team. So there was the assist, there was the goal. It was all on, and uh Jesus, he really made a made a I, fucking pig's dinner of it.
0: I think I think your confusion with you sending me screenshots of your fantasy football team and me reading into those screenshots or even opening the image that you sent me. <laughs>
1: Um, the only other nomination, not really a nomination, but it's a good way to tie in the Peter and What the Fuck Award because there's only one winner. Austin McPhee gets his equivalent of a half time break. His <laughs> his time out. You know, go and talk to these players. We've we've got a free kick. Everybody in, everybody on me. Let's talk. He has ten minutes. Ten minutes to cook up this master plan. Ten minutes to let Everybody know what's happening. We've got a free kick. We're what twenty three yards out. Here's what's going to happen. And what unfolded? I don't even know what unfolded. It seemed like after all that time that they had together after the timeout, nobody knew who was hitting it. It certainly didn't look like Douglas Oise knew the ball was coming to him. Ended up in a Leon Bailey shot somehow, like after Southampton's cheers, Leon Bailey got on to this loose ball and had a really tame shot from the of the box. And we got a second free kick just straight after that. Won by Watkins, obviously. And uh, Bailey gets an all-shot, hits it off the wall. But this time, it actually did lead to a Rossenthal chance. And that's why it's in this category, too. Because Ollie Watkins gets up for the header. And he probably could do better. Now, he's doing well to get above two people there. But he just heads it down and straight up is in.
0: Yeah, I mean, Douglas Louise plays it to Ashley Young, who must have been listening to the commentary team just before the or just after the the game was interrupted because Ashley Young is absolutely as interested in this game of football as those commentators were and he's completely fallen asleep I don't know how we managed to manufacture a chance out of it maybe maybe that was all part of Austin McPhee's master plan we'll lull these guys into a false sense of security by making it look like Ashley Young has been lulled into an early nap and (laughs) I think it's actually Kamara <laughs> that gets up from the header from the free kick. But the worst thing about that was the wall is about six yards back. Yeah, And they, they tell the referee, and the referee has marched out walls before, I'm sure. And unless he's put it back six yards every time, there's no way he can be looking at that and thinking, "What are you? what's your problem here? But he's just yeah. too fucking insecure, too intellectually insecure, that he's afraid to go over and actually check just how close this fucking wall is. He's made a cock-up. It's been pointed up out to you. Have a look now. Say, are you actually happy with that? Look how close those lads are. Yeah. Look how big they still look to you. If they're four yards further back, they're not going to be quite that lumbering and standing in front of you. You know those people aren't fucking 10 yards away. <laughs> Move them back.
1: Yeah, I actually did think he would try to discreetly count it out himself, just, just for peace of mind. Um, but obviously as soon as the question was asked of him from a player, he was never gonna take that. He was never gonna do that. Then it was it's ridiculous carry on that he wouldn't that he wouldn't just look at it. But like what's your winner here? It has to be has to be the Douglas Louise rebound, right? sorry, the Douglas Louise. That's twice I've done that. I blame Douglas Louise for Ashley Young falling asleep and I blame I blame Douglas Louise for Leon Bailey missing a, a ball bouncing out to him seven yards out.
0: The, the bouncing out one because he's oh, it's so hard to tell they're both so fucking dreadful I mean can either of them even be counted as shots I mean, the, the, obviously the commentary or the highlights package manager didn't fucking think it was a shot because he didn't bother showing the second one the one he sliced over the top it's so perfect like Leo Bailey with this amazing left foot that every commentator talks about him having and we've all seen him have as well Yeah, how could he have, he had it with his ankle <laughs>
1: Maybe that was the worst one then and like yeah, I think maybe you're you're leaning that way because of the fantasy football element to it. <laughs> All right. The John Gregory, if I had a gun I would have shot him. Quote of the week. You already mentioned you and I Emery talking about Emmy Bwindee. And here is the quote where he spoke about Emmy Bundy as overreaction really or over overacting, he would almost say, on the pitch, he said, Sometimes I have to stop him. I have to control his mind because he gets so excited. Sometimes he is not clear in his thoughts about what he is going to do next on the pitch. <laughs> and I suppose that feeds in nicely to what you're saying. I mean, he is controlling his mind. Now he just needs to control his body. It's almost <laughs> like the the Leon Bailey thing. Control the controllable to start off with and now we can try evolve it. But right now he needs to focus on... Ah, maybe he still needs to focus on his actions because they really are they really are affecting his his body position
0: yeah it's it's his lack of action that is is the problem in so many circumstances where he just takes himself out of the game and we'll just watch it watch it develop and watch it bypass him as well we saw how fucking good he was in the second half against leeds whenever he involved himself in the game and he just needs to keep doing that every game because he's not given enough with the you know purported talent that he has he's not playing enough ball and if he's going to be playing on that left-hand side in this system then he needs to be fucking running he needs he's going to lose his position to John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey if he keeps playing like this he needs to get himself into the game you can't just you can't just wait for the game to come to you that never works you have to fucking work you have to work your way into the game and you have to do things off the ball whenever it's not working for you on the ball which it very rarely is for Bundy at the minute
1: Yeah, the second nomination for quote of the week was Tyro Mings for his interview in the Express. Uh, He was talking about the, the management teams that he's had and he said this is the first forum manager he's had and then he did clarify that he won't count Mick McCarthy in that. And initially, I, you know, raising eyebrows and hang on, you know, Mick McCurphy, obviously a good Irish international. Then I just really appreciated Tyro Mings having the thoughtfulness to include him in that. And also Mick McCurphy's from Barnsley as well. So maybe there, was a, maybe there was a lot of sense to what he was saying there. Like he was being coached by somebody who was born and reared in England as much as an Irish man that he was. But um, his quote went on to talk, he was praising Unai Emery and it is really exciting when you hear. And it seems very sincere when the players are talking about him, but... He spoke about himself then and his own form. And he said, Most of the games I've had in the Premier League, I've been learning on the job. When I signed for Villa, I'd played maybe 20 games at centre-back before then. Now I'm turning into what an elite centre-back should be. And, you know, I like this. And don't get me wrong, you know you know as well as I do, non-Villa fans are sending me this thinking it's funny. And I just have to tell them. I just have to tell them straight. This is not what you think it is. This is this is not your next Harry Maguire. Tyro Mings <laughs> is playing really well. Accepted.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, he's playing really well and he has been for a very long time. But he also has the traits that you would expect an elite centre-half to have as well. Chief among them, you know, that marks him out from Harry Maguire is the ability to move. And... <laughs> like we've always said how many times have we said it in this podcast the only thing that holds Jerome Ming's back is his absolute clangers his ability to go missing in his head during the game that's it that's the only thing that's ever held him back and if now he's excited about the manager that he's got then he is running out of excuses as well so he just needs to tune himself in and he needs to he needs to start performing at the level that he shows for most of the games in most of the game. <laughs> as well yeah. and John McGinn dropped a never had a foreign manager one before as well probably pissed off a lot of Scottish um, nationals who were <laughs> listening to that
1: yeah the only thing that holds Tyrone Mings back is himself I would say that <laughs> the last nomination for quote of the week you're going to like this one this is uh, this is unbelievable stuff on talk sport <laughs> Ronnie Rosenthal was talking to Jim White and he was told like you know about Leon Bailey's miss against Wolves what would you say to Leon Bailey Ronnie Rosenthal himself was talking about the biggest miss of the season and he says and I quote tell Leon to forget about it move on yeah
0: (laughs) You you wouldn't want him to completely forget about it. You'd want him to learn from it because since that, like I said only 10 minutes ago, he has (laughs) missed the ball a further three times when the goal was gaping. He 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 needs to not forget about it. He needs to think about it. Think about what he's going to do in those situations. Find a bit of composure from somewhere and stop just slipping on his arse or studying the ball.
1: <laughs> and Ronnie Rosenthal thinks the world would move on as well, doesn't he? Like when somebody misses a chance <laughs> like that. But I think the oh, I don't know who's the winner. To go to probably goes to Emery, just pointing out Emmy when is yeah overacting on the pitch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 great to hear him have the confidence to <laughs> follow one of his players like that. But not only that, to talk about how he's going to fix it as well, which is obviously obviously the crucial bit.
1: Yeah. You let Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. Ah, would have kept Danny Ings for three more days anyway, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, what, what is the thinking here? We just talked about the bench earlier on. I mean, what <laughs> what would have been the, the problem? Keeping Danny Ings until after this match, which, which was, this was Thursday. The deal was done. This game was Saturday. Just tell West Ham, hold your horses. We'll chat to you on Saturday. We we need a striker going down to Southampton, and we need somebody who used to play for Southampton. You know, like that—that like I would have started Danny Inge for that reason alone. <laughs> <laughs> Bad a manager I am, but oh my god! Like this was a terrible decision, really. I mean, especially going into a two-week break, especially not having done any business ourselves to have somebody in the door and available. I was looking at West Ham going to going to play Everton today, and I was like. What? Their bench is way stronger than ours. That's because we've given them a really strong asset from our bench.
0: Such a such a strange decision. I mean, it's unlike Aftonville as well, who have normally been pretty good in the transfer market at getting players in and you know, deciding when to release players. I mean, this just didn't need to happen. West Ham are desperate for a player they would have waited another 10 days and we could could easily have done that. We could easily have kept Danny Ings till the end of the window and just reassured him that he was going to believe in if that was the big issue here. But I thought it was Danny Ings isn't a prick. Yeah. It was such a strange decision. People are, people are panicking probably a bit too much about releasing Danny Ings in general. The timing is bad, but like Aston Villa need to be thinking a lot bigger than Danny Ings. I mean, Danny Ings scores a goal every three games. So does Ollie Watkins. And, you know, Ollie Watkins does a lot more than that as well. And I I can hear the screams of one of the things he does a lot more of is missed chances. But <laughs> I, I'd i say two things about that. Watkins is better able to create his own chances. And Watkins plays a lot more football as well. And does he actually? Does he actually miss more chances than Danny Ings? I'm wow. not so sure about that. Definitely not minutes played anyway. And Watkins, as we know, is a lot more suited to how Emery wants to play. But this isn't an Ings versus Watkins debate; it's an Ings versus nobody fucking else debate, and that was a silly, silly decision.
1: Yeah, no, oh, absolutely. It's it's a timing that I have an issue with. Only um, I agree with you on Ings. Like again, seemed like a very popular person as well, and it was a nice person to have on the bench, especially in the absence of anybody else. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> We we spoke about this before. We don't need to hammer Danny Ings, but I wouldn't panic about losing him in general. Like he's had one season in the Premier League where he broke the twelve goal mark. I mean, Watkins has had two full seasons in the Premier League. He did that once as well, and the other time he scored eleven. And Ings, Ings is number four Villa. I mean, even when you look at the eye test, I mean, the Ronnie Rosenthal Award will show you. Like <laughs> that's all the proof you need about who's missing the most big chances. But um, I mean, he started eight games a season. And he was on coming off from the bench 10 times. And this is the third manager he's had at Aston Villa. So it's not like it's just Unai Emery hasn't taken a liking to him. Last season, he started 22 games. We so he did get a bigger run last season. He came off the bench eight times, 30 appearances. He got seven goals. So it's not mad numbers that we couldn't afford to lose or definitely won't be able to replace. Um, I'm just happy for David Moyes, who has finally found... His replacement, he was on the Diary of a CEO podcast and he was speaking about players that he's missed out on before. And one (laughs) of them was Julian Alvarez. (laughs) And when I say missed out, I mean passed over. He said his scout came to him and said, just have a look at Julian Alvarez. And Moe said, okay, I'll have a look at him. Went and looked at him. Didn't fancy it. Didn't uh, think he was uh, what West Ham needed because we had Mickey Antonio. Um, that hasn't aged too well for per david moyes who was volunteering this information and he was <laughs> <laughs> he was standing under the caveat of you know players can change very quickly in six months i don't think david moyes is probably alone in all this villa were linked very have, heavily with alvarez as well a lot of clubs probably had a chance to buy him but it is funny that they passed him over he's now a world cup winner he's now playing for man city and they've turned to danny ings instead
0: is it really that surprising, though? I mean, David Moyes' first signing for the champions was Marwan Fellini. I mean, that's that's bad enough as it is. I mean, when you consider the fact that they had Darn Fletcher, Tom Cleverley, and Anderson battling it out for a midfield starting berth, it's fucking bonkers. And he had, he had four months to have a look at this and assess it, and then he decided that Juan Mata was the answer. <laughs>
1: They they dropped a lot of money on Juan Mata as well. I still remember him coming in, in the helicopter, and meeting Moyes and like yeah, it was dramatic on Sky Sports News. Like that was really billed as the answer. Like this is the guy who's now saving David Moyes a season at Man United.
0: Yeah, that was that was peak Sky Sports transfer window. Yeah.
1: The only other nomination I have for the ULEC like Glenweed and take a 95-minute penalty award is the fact that all teams are now going to push up against Villa and squeeze Douglas Oise and Kamara because because they know the wide players are narrow, so it's they're not going to get cut out wide. They know they push up and squeeze and get enough bodies in that area where Louise and Kamara are. They're effectively covering more people than just their two most important ball players. And I have to ask, what's what's the plan? <laughs> you know, this is going to happen. What are we going to do to counteract it?
0: Yeah, it, it's. It shouldn't be that difficult when you're playing four, essentially four centre midfielders to be able to pass the ball around to each other as well. I mean, we should be able to break out of the the squeeze that, that all our teams are putting in. I mean, the first half was about as unwatchable as a game of football can be. It was scrappy nonsense, and from a Villa perspective, spending too long thinking about playing the obvious pass and then playing it when it's no longer the obvious pass as well. Yeah. Just weren't aggressive enough on or off the ball. They brightened up a bit after about half an hour but even then it was just nonsense interspersed with a bit of serious football (laughs) and don't get me wrong it is hard to play against teams who are as bad as southampton like it's hard it is hard to motivate yourself and it's hard to play through whenever they're that compact but the difficulty is always self-made because if it was actually difficult they wouldn't be fucking bottom of the table (laughs) you have to you have to beat these teams with tempo not by trying to send them to sleep by knocking the ball aimlessly around the middle of the pitch. And Douglas Douglas Lewis's first instinct was to, to look for Kanza and Mings. I mean, where was the fucking free spirit, puppy energy? I mean, I, I, I know I give out about him doing stupid things, but I, I didn't think all those fucking taps across the nose would change his personality. <laughs> Put your fucking studs on the ball, turn around and have a look, because it was on so many times. And the worst thing about Aston Villa which has persisted for three years is the absolute reluctance to play the ball into the centre midfielders who are free there was a lot of times where Kamara and Douglas Louise were free and if it wasn't Kamara or Douglas Louise playing the pass it wasn't going into the other one so many times Ramsey, Leon Bailey, Moreno and Buendia played it back to one of the centre halves or to the fullback it was infuriating we had to move the ball and we had to move it a lot fucking quicker that's how you beat shit teams <laughs>
1: All right, the Vyman meter going up. Emmy Martinez, we spoke about him, going up. Ollie Watkins. I think uh, for the reasons that I've mentioned, the panic around Ings leaving, the questions that Watkins often gets, uh, I mean, he often backs it up with the, the purity and the honesty that we talked about. But he was just so effective again today and effective in a goal scoring vein as well by winning the match for us. Like We got three points tonight because of Ollie Watkins, and that's not the first time. That's happened, um, yeah. Like he's, he's he's a good lad, isn't he?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a good lad. But the reason Ollie Watkins gets slagged off is because he scored four or five goals a season, and that is something that he has to change if he wants the noise to quieten around, quieten down around them. Ollie Watkins will always give you the honesty and the effort that, that Ollie Watkins gives you. And that's why he's so irresistible to every manager that walks in. That's why he gets picked ahead of Danny Ings because he's so effective at doing the other things around the game. He just needs to score more because that's what fans want, obviously.
1: Yeah. Going up, Jacob Ramsey. Um, I, f- I feel like there was a few incidents where I was getting a bit frustrated at him and then I realized he's just, he's just so heavily involved here. I felt like he was still a little bit rusty I mentioned his shot, that he wasn't set. I just felt like there were a few moments around the middle of the pitch where he didn't feel set either. Um, just his feet weren't right all the time, but it grew into the match. He got stronger as it went along. And then I was noticing like we were getting a lot of ball back in midfield. Southampton were really struggling to break out of defence. They couldn't counter-attack us at all. And that was mostly because of Jacob Ramsey and obviously largely to Kamara as well, but he won so much ball back in the middle of the park and, you know, just pushing boys away and turning and going back with the ball in the other direction. And he he won second balls, which is his bread and butter, really. Uh, It was just a, yeah, it was was a very viming performance, I think, from Jacob Ramsey.
0: Yeah, I think he also had a bit of the Buendias, in the first half. He so definitely did. Times, yeah. So many times he was just watching watching the other teams stream down. It's like, get back. Like If you start running now, you'll be you'll be in the box before they've even fucking gone into their own half. We know how quick you can get back. Just cover that ground. Now, and you've got the energy. You'll still be able to run in the second half. This is such a huge part of your game, your running ability. Fucking use it. And help us out as well. It was just like watching it. Probably because a bit of the fact that he knew that Southampton were shit. And he could just wait for Tyrone Mings to win the ball back from fucking Che Adams and then give him the ball back in a in a better position. But it's just lazy, lazy play. And he can play a lot better on the ball as well. I mean, you've touched on it there. I mean, it's great to have him back, but the, he, he wasn't as clean as he normally was. And the big, big mistake that Jacob Ramsey made was after Gavin Bazunu's clearance. Does Jacob Ramsey think that... Bailey being pushed out onto his right with a pass that's too slow and from a wider position as well is a better option than Jacob Ramsey at the edge of the box immediately after the keeper has cocked up. Yeah. And you have to kill in those situations. You have to be absolutely ruthless. And Jacob Ramsey needed to put his fucking laces through that ball and put it anywhere near the corner because Gavin Bazunu's head's a mess now. He just kicked the ball out to the edge of the box and asked him, to well, look there. <laughs> Jacob Ramsey doesn't need to give that to Bailey. He needs to put it in the fucking net.
1: Never has somebody who's going up in the Vimey meter gotten such constructive feedback. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you're going up, okay, but come here. <laughs> it's what happens when you're the young, talented player. Like we we always want more from you, but uh the only other thing going up is the third kit. Big win in the third kit doesn't always happen. Very, very rarely happens, but uh just another just another curse that you and I Emery has broken. Um Going, neither going up or down, and not because the performance, but because I don't think he can go up or down at the minute. Well, he can definitely go up. Alex Moreno. <laughs> um, Nick got in touch to say, I'm not sure it was the best decision to sign a winger to play left-back. Um, yeah, look, very early days, very conscious of laying into Alex Moreno with two podcasts. But, like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just haven't been, haven't been convinced that this is a, a massive, obvious upgrade on Luka Dean. even even Luka Dean.
0: <laughs> well, he's definitely gone up on the volume meter because he completed a pass tonight. I mean, that, he's a, he has set a really, really low bar for himself after the last performance. <laughs> <That's>,
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll keep an eye on Alex Moreno. Um, I did say last week I was going to keep an eye on Emi Buendia. And I think he's going down. It's just it's just too up and down every week now. I was uh, praising him last week, and I was trying to say, you know, I know he's been down before, but he's back up now. And now I feel like he's back down again to where I was two weeks ago. So can't be having that inconsistency, not on the vitamin meter,
0: or even back down to where he was in the first half of the last game as well, because <laughs> he, he was nominated for the ah, oh, what's his fucking name? He's so forgettable. I've forgotten about
1: <laughs> the Ross <Rottetal> Award. <laughs> Ashley Westwood like oh, the Ashley perfect- Westwood oh he
0: was playing word. <laughs> the perfect oh, person they forget oh, their name fucking apt yeah he was nominated for that in his first half performance and then all of a sudden in the second half he was the best player in the pitch get your fucking act together
1: man. Uh, going down Philip Coutinho's first time passes <laughs> I don't even know if he was trying I just think he was thinking I've seen a lot of you boys getting kicked out here tonight and I don't want any person <laughs> So the ball came to him and he just flicked it away from himself. Sometimes it went to a player. Most of the time it didn't. There was one where he let it go. He was taking the
0: ball in the centre circle and he just let it go through his legs and tried that little flick. And if, if he froze the, the image to see what he was trying to do there, you, you would have spent 10 minutes looking at it saying, like, what was he even trying to do there? Because the only player who was in shot was Leon Bailey, who was about 60 yards away on the right wing. And if he did... Flick it, if you had to actually connected with the volleyed flick, it would have taken it away from Liam Bailey. <laughs> so yeah. I haven't a fucking notion what he was doing. And whenever he turned around, he was looking around as if to say, where's the ball gone? Where are all the Aston Villa? But that means he didn't know. I mean, he didn't know where he was trying to flick that or who was actually there to receive it. He just decided to flick the ball. And there was one as well after that. We tried a 1-2 with Douglas Louise. That was never on.
1: Never on. That was like it- That was... Punishment for Douglas O'Ease trying it with Ashley Young last week. (laughs) It was a fucking Jeff Hendrick
0: pass. And this is a Jeff Hendrick pass from a lad who cost 140 million euro five years ago. And he's only 30 as well. I wouldn't pay 140 quid for Jeff Hendrick. And Philip Coutinho is trying the same fucking types of passes.
1: He did make a couple of tackles and he uh, tried to win a couple of headers, which he didn't ultimately succeed in. But he put himself about anyway. But um, yeah, first time passes were quite frustrating. I found when he came on. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Did Chelsea spend eighty million because Jao Felix got suspended for three games? <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't be doing it. This. this is this is a bad fantasy football player type of thing. Like, oh god, I've, I've, like, I've made the wrong decision. Get somebody else and we will take the hit. Like, what, the, what the hell are they doing?
0: It's that's amazing, really, isn't it? I mean it the most amazing thing about this is that you could spend half a billion euro in one season and not have noticeably a better team afterwards, or a squad even. I mean like <laughs> And I, I hope to fuck for Chelsea's sake that a large part of this is being driven by Potter identifying the profile of the player he needs for next year I hope to fuck for everyone else who hates Chelsea which is everyone else that a, a large <laughs> a large part of this is just being driven by Todd Bowley having a fucking wobbly it's absolutely insane imagine spending half a billion euro and still having Kai Havertz starting up front <laughs> at no point did they think maybe we should sign a centre forward I mean the and this is this is obviously the, the peril of signing players who, are, who aren't a clear improvement on what you have. You don't improve because you, I, I can't look at that Chelsea squad and think, Jesus Christ, they've spent well there, haven't they? What, a half a billion euro? Like they could have bought 10 players for 50 million quid. Yeah. They have bought 10 players for 50 million quid. <laughs> and their team isn't any better. How have they managed that?
1: Yeah, and the only thing I know is that Potter wants to play four wing backs, and he hasn't seemed to bought anybody noticeably better for those positions either. Like, all Potter seems to care about is the wing back position. And I'm seeing him <laughs> signing Yao Felix. <laughs> it's like, what? What is going on? There's no joined-up thinking here at all. There's no thinking, Conny. You? you could have stopped that sentence a couple of times. <laughs> anyway, that's another long podcast. Thanks a million for listening get us on social media somewhere um, on Twitter The Villa Podcast on Instagram The Villa Podcast Show we're on YouTube as well and you can send us an email really appreciate people have been reaching out the more emails we get the more likely it is we can do extra podcasts how about that eh, get in touch with us with anything that's on your mind really won't, uh, won't, <laughs> won't judge you whatever <laughs> it is thevillapodcast at gmail.com only thing left to say after our third away victory in a row it's very simple starts with a hashtag it ends with UTV addiction <laughs> Have a good weekend. That wind is my name and I won't wait
0: or i never
1: get on.